Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. What's up? Happy Saturday. It's Saturday, September 9th. So uh, if it's your birthday, happy birthday. What you drinking over there? It's a monster. Rawr. Monster energy drink. Do you drink. say that every time you drink it? I Rawr. I feel it every time I you drink it. You feel that? No. We've got a, a, a guy in our church who uh, happens to work for them. Oh. And so he graciously secured us some monster Donated. energy ultra fiesta mango. Ultra fiesta mango? Ultra fiesta mango. I, I don't know how I feel about their use of fiesta. It's an ultra party every time I drink one. Ultra party. Yeah. Why has it got to be a fiesta? Why can't it be a party? I don't know. Like, why, why, why are they culturally appropriating my tradition? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I'm so offended. When's the last time you had a fiesta, personally? I have a fiesta all the time. Yeah. Well, I just had one a second ago, and it's empty, <laughs> and it's sitting here on my desk. So, yeah. Um, that's Saturday. What's, uh, what's uh, on your docket today? I will be in the office for a bulk of the day. That's typically what I do. We, we also record our podcast. People do. don't know that. We record our podcast Saturday afternoons for several days in advance. And I usually I usually wake up later on Saturdays. Um, I'm up later. I go to the gym, kind of leisurely get my workout done. It's one of my favorite days of the week. Yeah. It's like where I recharge, get my batteries ready for Sunday. It's one of the best days of the week usually. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. What do you do? Yeah, I, I typically have a, a slower morning on Saturdays and then come into the office and, and spend the, the afternoon and, and early evening in the office. And then and a lot of that is, I mean, we podcast and then after we podcast, most of that is, is just spent making sure I'm ready to go in and preach the next day. Yep. Um, yep. Sunday's coming. Yeah. So the tyranny of Sunday. Low key day on Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. It's just different, man. Getting into a different routine with uh-huh. this whole church plant uh-huh. thing. I feel um, you. Well, and in, in California, we would, we had Saturday night church. And so all right. of us as pastors were there for all three services. So we were there Saturday night and then Sunday morning we were there for two services. And then as the, the bridge, our college pastor, we had Sunday night. Right. And so I was back on Sunday night. And so added all the time. Yeah. So that was a, a crazy schedule. Um, not that way anymore. It's, it's nice though, man. Sundays take so much out of you they do. As, a, as a pastor that they do after service, being able to just kind of go back home and take a nap is <laughs> is super super encouraging yeah that's a that's how you know like you've reached a certain age and stage of life where naps are enjoyable right it's like that's 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 a that's a sweet spot right because you take them when you're young you know you're, you're made to take a nap when you're a kid and now i'm like dude i'll take anything for a nap who do i gotta pay to get me a nap in right i love naps <laughs> right right yeah yeah as a kid you're yeah it's the worst now it's like please can i have that right can i go back and take all the naps that i didn't take when i was growing up yeah, can i accrue that yeah because yeah, i was a fool speaking of being a fool mm. uh, the book of proverbs warns us against that and that's where we find ourselves proverbs 15 and 16 you gotta let me work on these with that's, you dude that's some of my favorite things though is just to watch your reaction to this and in, in the cringe <laughs> yeah proverbs 15 right off the bat in proverbs 15 1 a soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger i learned this uh when it comes to customer service Uh on a i'm trying to get starbucks no not no not on the customer service like working end on the customer service like calling in end. that when you are kind to the people as as angry as you are that they've messed up whatever they've messed up or that their company has messed up whatever they've messed up yeah if you are kinder to them, it's more likely that you're going to walk out getting what you want, getting what you want. 
and sometimes more even than if you call disgruntled and, and upset. Um, but certainly we can think of other scenarios where this holds true in a marriage, especially, I mean, you may feel like your spouse took an unnecessary dig at you, but you've got a, you've got a choice there. Are you going to respond with a soft answer to that? Or are you going to respond in, in like mm. tone and, and with a harsh word back? And then all of a sudden you've got a fight and a major divide where you could have put out that fire with a calm response. Um, our kids, this is a good thing to teach our kids, right? We need to be careful with this with them. How about just on the road? Think about this with, with road rage. Your soft answer may be backing off instead of tailgating the guy that just cut you off. Um, so I think there's more than one way, the the verbal sense and how we can put this into practice. Yeah, I, let me add to that because that, that's such a potent verse. I mean, I think we've heard this quoted a million and 17 times, give or take. Uh, soft answer, turning away wrath, harsh words, turning up anger. One of the reasons this is so potent is because what comes out of our mouth is a is revelatory yep. of what's in our heart. So I think the proverb here is commending, yes, a soft answer, but really he's saying, you know, check your heart, man, because what comes out of your mouth, you're like, oh, I, I accidentally let one slip. I used the F-bomb or I was accidentally cursed that guy that cut me off or what? Like sometimes I, I told my, I told our students back when we're in AV, you think that when you say things like, oh, I didn't mean what I said, you think that absolves you or that that kind of removes the sting of it. And I, I, I push back always and say, no, you did mean it. You, that was you. That was your heart. Your heart spoke exactly what you felt and what you were thinking. It's not a mistake in the realest sense. It's a mistake in that you let your guard down so that other people now see it, but that is who you are. What you say is a revelation of who you are on the inside, which is why a soft answer turning away wrath is, is evidence of a wise and self-controlled spirit, or should I say a spirit-controlled spirit. That's the goal. We want a heart that's governed by the by the spirit so that what comes out of our mouth is evidence of what's happening in our heart. Yeah, yeah, it's good. That's good. We'll jump down to uh, verse 16. Uh, it says, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. This is an encouraging verse to you if if maybe you have looked at other people in business or in uh, in just in life, maybe one of your family members who is not walking with the Lord and yet you look at them and you go, man, they seem to have everything that they want and here I am and I am struggling to, to scrape by, to make ends meet or I, you know, because of my decision to, you know, give to the church or be invested in, in ministry and things like that, I'm, I don't have as much disposable income as this person over here and, and look at what they have and what, what I don't have. And here's a reminder from Solomon to his son, Hey, you know what? Be content with a little from the world's standards and having the fear of the Lord rather than to have everything and yet to just have trouble with it. And again, Solomon's writing this from experience, the book of Ecclesiastes talks so much about all that Solomon had and he better than anyone else knew the vanity of it and the trouble that could come with having, but not having a lot, but not having the fear of the Lord. Well, I'll, I'll I'll add to that too. Verse 17 seems to go along with verse 16. And he says this better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. Simple note in my Bible, great relationships are better than great resources Mm. to have relationships with people that you love. Um, even if you're just having a few measly, modest herbs is better than having a feast of the finest steak available. I mean, think about going to Mastro's or what's one of that other steak places, Roots Chris, some of my favorite places, man, I'd love to have a piece of steak, but if you put me with a piece of steak and a lot of people that I'd call enemies, that wouldn't be as fun. Food probably wouldn't taste nearly as good. The relationships are what life, are what makes life taste good. Yeah. Focus on the relationships. The relationships are what make life taste good. Boom. Boom. Tweet that, X that. 
X that. <laughs> they call them posts now. Oh, post that? Just posts, yeah. Oh. Boring. Yeah. Yeah, hey, uh, how about verse 21? Folly or foolishness is a joy to him who lacks sense, but a man of understanding walks straight ahead. In, in other words, what he's saying here is the fool finds joy in his sin. And that's, that's a, another thing to, to check our hearts on. Are we finding pleasure in that which is sinful? And if we are, Solomon's saying, this is fooly. Fooly. This is fooly. This fooly. is folly. <laughs> this is foolishness. Um, and it's, it's revealing that we lack sense. Kind of like what Pastor Rod said. No, this is who you are, right? If, if we are delighting in things that are sinful, it's not as though we are, are doing anything other than what our heart really wants right. and what we really crave. And so we need to be on guard against those things. Verse 32, whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. I like this one. Um, What it tells me is that you need people in your life um, who are willing to reprove you, who are willing to instruct you, and you're wise enough to listen. Now, not everybody who reproves you or rebukes you is going to have the best intentions, and not always are they going to be right. But the scripture doesn't speak to their end. It speaks to your end. If you ignore it, you despise yourself. You hate yourself if you're not willing to listen to the wise reproof of those who love you. Um, he who listens gains intelligence. Um, one, uh, I was reading a chapter a day in one of those books that I was going through talking about self-awareness. Um, a lack of self-awareness is what contributes to us un- unwittingly hurting a lot of people around us. Mm. And so what we often need to get over our own self-deception is the perception of others to say, hey, do you know that when you say this or when you do this, that this is the result? Mm. Sometimes we don't know that. And oftentimes we don't. Um, unless God has given you a great deal of self-awareness, most often we need people to help us. Mm. And so you should be receptive to these things. Yeah. Helpful. Proverbs chapter 16 Proverbs chapter 16, how about uh, one that's a little bit uh, more difficult right off the bat here, but look at verse four. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Even the wicked for the day of trouble. Sometimes we shy away from the concept of God's sovereignty over the fate of the lost. Um, Romans 9 speaks about this. We we addressed it uh, when we walked through Romans nine together. But I think even here we see that, that that's not a brand new concept that even in the old Testament here, you have Solomon saying God has created everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. We talked a little bit about how God is glorified through um, the display of his wrath and, and judgment on the lost. And that's not something that we celebrate. That's not something that makes us feel warm and fuzzy inside. That's an uncomfortable reality. But I just want you to notice that it's it's present here in the Old Testament, just as it is when we pick up in Romans 9, the same concept with the vessels of wrath and vessels of mercy that Paul speaks of there. So many verses in this chapter that speak about God's sovereignty. And I, we could talk about a lot of them, I'm sure. Uh, verse 21, the wise of heart is called discerning and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness relates to what we were talking about in the last chapter. But I think one easy thing that we could take away from this is that our conversation, you know, our willingness to to make our speech judicious, as uh, Proverbs 16, 23 puts it, um, is what helps our speech become winsome. And it's that old phrase, how's that go? Uh, you can win a lot more flies with honey than, than yep. vinegar, something yep. like that, I guess. So we have a modern day proverb that speaks to this proverb as well. So watch your speech. Use persuasiveness. Which I, 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 living in Texas now, in through the summer, I don't want flies. I don't. I, yeah, I don't know who's who's trying to attract flies. Maybe they have some kind of varmint <laughs> that wants to eat the flies. I don't know. Yeah. 
Hey, look at verse 31. This one is one that, that I'm realizing more and more as each day passes. But gray hair is a crown of glory. I was going to point that out. And it's gained in a righteous life. Well, yeah. yeah. I haven't seen it, bro. It's it's coming. And I'm good with it, man. I'm not like, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. Like I will go great tomorrow, and I I'm. I saw the, fine the hair that. dye in your in your trash over there, dude. Did I, did I see that? Why you why you sell me out? <laughs> I'm use it and it's funny. The irony is that the hair dye is the gray hair dye. <laughs> trying to add like, some. I need more glory. I need more glow. People to know I'm glory. righteous. No, it, it, this is just speaking to the 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 aged, and that there is a it's a crown of glory because it's a testimony. I I think is it's a testimony to how faithful God has been in our lives to bring us to where we are and, and equip us and preserve us. And so with each gray hair, it's in, in some ways tells the story of God's faithfulness to us. It's not so that we can boast and say, look how great we are because look how long we've lived or where we've made it to. It's a testimony to, man, this is somebody who's got a story of what God has done in their life. And it's probably worth listening to. I think it's so funny that in this, I, I think I see a subtle reference to a bald head because gray hair kind of looks like a crown because you, you lose the hair on the top, right? I mean, that's kind of the, male pattern baldness that a lot of Jewish people tend to have. Okay. I see that. Do you, am I, do you think I'm wrong on that? No, maybe not. I crown of glory, gray hair. Yeah. Well, and then you've got the whole situation with Elisha and the kids coming out going, Hey, yeah, bald, hey bald, bald head. Bald, yeah. Bald. yeah. I, I think it's, it's a double entendre yeah. in the best way possible. Okay. But yeah. I, I like that one too. Gray hairs. Are cr- there's a, there's another verse that we're going to get to soon enough that talks about standing in the presence of an elder. Yeah. Um, I see stuff like this and I think, man, our culture does not do a good job at exalting growing old yeah we try to hide it we try to yeah. nip it and tuck it we try to dye it i was joking with you about dyeing your hair like we hide the aging process god dignifies it god honors that yep the wrinkles that we get the uh the, the, the what do you call it the crow's feet next to your eyeballs like god that's evidence of life and that, that's a typically a good sign that god has blessed you with a lot of good things to enjoy things to savor and to appreciate so guys and, and gals don't be afraid of getting older uh, God dignifies it. God honors that. And so should you. Yep. Yep. So ladies, this doesn't have to be your, you know, 10th, 39th birthday this year coming up. You can <laughs> just embrace it and live, I'm 104. live it out. Hey, second Corinthians chapter one, we are getting in now to the, the second letter from Paul and written to the same group, the same group of believers, the church there in Corinth. Um, and he's writing now and opens up with this section in chapter one on comfort. And uh, if you read it already, and if you haven't, then you'll notice, you'll see just how many times he repeats the word comfort. It's all over this opening chapter. And it's it's, a, it's such a, a helpful text for us or for someone in your life who may be uh, going through a trial. This is a, a good text for them um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, it, it offers the comfort of God to those that are suffering, right? It, it promises them, hey, you know what? This is that Philippians 4 piece that surpasses understanding kind of comfort that can come to the the hurting believer, that there is a transcendent uh, tranquility that we can enjoy even when our circumstances don't seem to call for it, when we're suffering, when we're hurting, when we've lost someone. God is a God of comfort. That's a, a promise that we can take to the bank. The second reason why I think it's helpful for those who are suffering is it gives a, a glimpse into the purpose of some of their suffering. Look at verse four. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction as well. So there's a sense of like, hey, you know what? You're hurting right now, but God is going to use this 
not only in your life, but he's going to use this process in someone else's life down the road so that you can comfort them as they suffer because you know the comfort of God that you're experiencing, hopefully, Lord willing, right now in the midst of your own suffering. Yeah, one of the things I appreciate about what Paul does here in verse 11, it's, it's, it's going to be a convictional encouragement to all of us. I guarantee you. You ready for this? Verse 11, you must also help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So Paul says, look, I want you to be partners with me in praying about this thing because he talks about being comforted by God. He says, but that comfort came in a point when we were so despairing that we despaired of life itself, he says in verse eight. He says, God didn't want us to rely on ourselves. He wanted us to rely on him, but even so, we want you to pray with us. And the reason he wants them to pray uh, corporately with him is that when God answers that prayer, God, God uh, Paul anticipated God would answer favorably. He says he wants all of you guys. I want all of us to give thanks to God, to be able to praise God for the answered prayers that Paul anticipates. Some of the things that we typically don't do very well is to invite people into our lives in a very significant way to say, Hey, pray about this, pray about this. One of the things I, I often struggle with in prayer groups is that we we will have people pray for things that are related to us, but not pray about us. Pray for my, you know, my, my aunt Kathy or my, my dog Patrick or whatever it is. We, we tend not to get so close as, Hey, this is what I need, man. I'm yeah. struggling. I'm hurting here. Pray for that. And I think Paul is, I mean, Paul's being vulnerable here. I wanted to die. I thought I was going to die. And, and thankfully God answered that so I could be a comfort to you, but man, please pray with me so that when God answers, all of y'all give thanks with me. We ought to be encouraged to be appropriately vulnerable with one another such that when God answers those prayers, we all rejoice with you. Don't be selfish in keeping your prayers to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Super helpful. Yeah. Cause yeah, you're blessing others by allowing them to pray for you. That's and there's, right. there's reward in that. Yeah. All of us. Right. We all celebrate. Yeah. Well, Paul goes on then from here to talk about some of his plans. Hey, I, I wanted to visit you. Things have changed a little bit, but hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm sh- I was sure of this. Verse 15, I, this is worth a, a brief discussion. I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. That's a second blessing where people speak in tongues. No, it's not. Oh. <laughs> no, no, but this can be a proof text for that where people would say, see, here's a, a second blessing. This is evidence of the fact that uh, here's a group of believers that didn't have the second blessing and Paul wanted to come to bring them the second blessing. Whatever that second blessing would was a second experience of grace. So what is Paul talking about? Well, I think first look at verse two. Okay. What does Paul say at the opening here in verse two? He says, grace to you and peace from God, our father. If you go on in, you look at Ephesians, Philippians, this is part of Paul's um, process in greeting churches. He's wishing them grace, grace to you. Right. And so as he's, he's doing that, he's not implying, Hey, you've got a shortcoming of grace salvifically. He's saying, I want you to continue to experience the multiplication of God's grace in your life. That's right. I want you to continue to experience the blessings or kindness or favor, which is what the the word for grace can mean there. I want you to know God's favor continually in your life. And so here Paul's saying, I want to come to you. And he's saying, I want to visit you again because I want in visiting you again for this next time. I want you to experience a second experience of grace through my being able to minister to you. The, the blessing, there. The, the second experience there is not something that they needed an, an extra measure of the spirit or something more salvifically, but that Paul wanted them to benefit through him in the, the kindness, the favor of his being able to be there and minister among them a second time. Mm. Thanks for that clarification. Cause I was praying for the speaking in tongues thing. And I was using that as a proof text. Thank you for clarifying. Hey, yeah. You know, and <laughs> stop that <laughs> <laughs> to be clear. I was not doing said things. Yeah. Merely joking. Yeah. Hey, I have a star next to verse 20. 
a and star. I think you should have a star there too. A, yes. All the all all the promises of God. I love this. All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. Well, and and before you unpack that, unpack what he means right before that when he's saying it's not yes and no with with God or with Jesus. What is he what does he mean by that? Okay, so I guess let's back up to verse 18 here. He says as surely as God is faithful, our our word to you has not been yes and no. Paul is trying to defend himself against the charges of those at Corinth who were saying, look, Paul is he's vacillating. He's going this way and that way. He doesn't know what he's doing. They're trying to undermine Paul's leadership. And so Paul's like, dude, I'm not saying yes and no. I, I'm, I, in fact, I didn't show up to Corinth because I didn't want to come and bring the hammer on you guys. I don't want to make another painful visit, he says. He says, but in this specific occasion, I wasn't vacillating. I wasn't saying this and that. Yes, yes, and no, no at the same time. Verse 18, as surely as God is faithful, our word to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaim among you, uh, Silvanus, Timothy, and I was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. So he's he's making the comparison. Look, just like in Christ, all of the promises are yes in him. So my heart for you is always yes. Of course I want to be with you. I, of course I want to I, I want to draw near. I want to bring grace with me. He says, in the same way, all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus Christ. Every promise that God has promised to the Christian church find their affirmation in and through Jesus Christ, his life, his ministry, his work, his resurrection, everything. And that's amazing because that means all of God's promises are favorable to you. He wants to get, they're all yes because of Jesus. Every promise is a yes. I love that. Yeah. That's and awesome. So, and Paul's heart is for them as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, second Corinthians is such a rich book. We've got so much good coming here. Second Corinthians chapter four, chapter five with the, the idea of being ambassadors for Christ. So it's exciting. Looking forward to spending time together in this book as we do our DBR and make sure you join us again tomorrow for another episode of the daily Bible podcast. See you then. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Thank you.